our three-week little break from Romans, decidedly Christian, characteristics of the Christian life. Now, I hope that if you were here last Sunday, you've spent this last week rejoicing. Uh, Joy was what we looked at last week, and even that astonishing ability that the Christian has in the face of trials to rejoice, in the face of the difficulties of life, to know that this is God's purpose for us, to test our faith, to strengthen us, and so we rejoice. I'm very glad that's what you heard at Technon as well. We both preach from James, we've got the same message. It's always a good thing. This week we're talking about thankfulness. Now, I could just spend the next 20 minutes telling you to be thankful. I could, I could command you, I could instruct you to be... And look, that wouldn't be a wrong thing to do. There's all sorts of Bible verses that say that. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 18, Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. Oh, we could have spent the time in there. We could have spent the time in Colossians 3 that Heather read for us. Right? There's this little verse in the middle of it. You, you probably missed it. It's so small. Right? It's one verse and it says... Be thankful. There you go. God commands you, be thankful. Or in chapter 4 of Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being thankful and being watchful and thankful. Now God's people have been instructed throughout the ages to be people of thanksgiving. Right back in 1 Chronicles, early on in the history, we read this. It's one of the kind of the key verses in the identity of Israel. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You might know it. I mean, you might have come across it in the prayer book before. This is where it comes from. The problem is, that's it. You now know the instruction. You have been commanded. Be thankful. I mean, that's kind of... And if you're anything like me, as soon as someone tells you to do something, yeah, I kind of want to do the opposite, don't you? You really should go to the doctor. Well, that's it. I'm not going now, right? I mean, that's just kind of... Maybe that's just me. What I want to do instead this morning is I want to tell you your story. I want to tell you about you. I want to tell you about your God. I want to remind you of who you are and who, where you've come from. I want to remind you of your life and I want to remind you of what God has done in your life so that you will want to thank him. I think that's a much more powerful way of doing it. Now, we're going to use Psalm 107 is actually the passage I'm going to speak from today. So you want to flick back to page 592 in the Pew Bible, or Psalm 107. We're going to use the stories in this psalm as the springboard to remind us of our stories. Now, you might not, it might not be exactly you, but at least there should be elements that get you thinking about yourself and where you've come from and what it is that God has done in your life. I mean, the verse starts like this. It's very clearly a a psalm of thanksgiving, right? Psalm 107, verse 1. Again, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those who redeemed from the hand of the foe, those who gathered from the lands, east, west, north, south. right? This is the instruction this morning. Let the redeemed of the Lord, let those that God bought for himself, Say this, thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Four stories. Four stories of the redeemed, if you like. And I've, I've kind of chosen four TV shows uh, to illustrate each one of these. Uh, it'd be interesting to see who's watched these. Story number one, who has ever seen Lost? All right, hands up, who's watched Lost? 
No, not that many people. Right? There, was, there was a craze for a while. When it was first coming out, people were so into it. It's this really mysterious show. What's happening? They're on an island. I mean, I haven't seen it. Right? They're on an island. And apparently there's a twist at the end, right? And the twist is that what it turns out is the case. Is that everybody... Well, I'll let you watch it. What you're about to say wasn't true, though. That's, that's, that's fine. That's good. The first story of the redeemed is the story of the lost. Verse 4. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry. They were thirsty. Their lives ebbed away. Maybe there's parts of your life that resonate with that. You remember being lost, wandering aimlessly in the wasteland, yearning, trying to find some sort of fulfilment, some sort of satisfaction. Seeking for it in all kinds of different places and yet always finding it elusive. Never quite managing to grab it. I've known people seeking their satisfaction in their work. It's bizarre. They go, they're working from nine to five or more likely the case nine to nine and thinking that somehow this job, this work, this material thing that they're doing is going to bring them a real sense of self when all it does is make them need to work more. I've known people seek for their comfort, uh, for their for their fulfilment, sorry, in their comfort, in their experiences of life, in their entertainment, in their joy, in the other things they can do. I've known some people look, searching for the true meaning in their life in travel, and going on the long trip overseas and exploring these fantastic places. Do you know the thing that people come back from travel wanting? You know what they're thinking about? The next trip. There's no satisfaction. Oh, it was nice. It was great while it lasted. But now I've arrived and instead of enjoying what's happened, I'm already thinking, just this morning at 8 o'clock, somebody shouted out the answer to that question. And I was talking to him afterwards and he says, you know how I knew the answer? I said, you tell me. And he said, because I'm planning my trip right now. And even in the midst of planning my trip, do you know what I'm thinking about already? The trip after. Hasn't even gone on it yet. And he's already, anyway. I hope he went home challenged rather than bemused. People seek their satisfaction in relationships. I'll try with this person. No, it hasn't worked. I'll go and try the next person. I'll go and try the next person. Lost, wandering, empty, unsatisfied, hungry, thirsty, such that, notice their crisis, verse 4, their lives ebbed away. Is that your story? The second story of the redeemed, I'm, I'm running with, are Orange is the New Black. Who's watched Orange is the New Black? Who's, who's into that one? Oh, there's only one hand over here. If you don't have Netflix, I'm sorry, it's one of those lame Netflix-only shows. It's about prisoners, right? It's a bunch of women in prison. There you go. That's why I went with it. It's very telling who watches what TV. I'm, I'm going to remember that one. <clears throat> Verse 10, here's the story, here's the tale of the prisoners. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Maybe that's your story, prisoner, chained, bound with shackles of your own doing your own desires causing you to rebel against the word of God, despising what he has to say and instead a prisoner. Perhaps addictions, 
There are so many of us who find ourselves bound, addicted to alcohol, addicted to gambling, addicted to drugs, addicted to sex in all its forms, porn, relationships, addicted perhaps to the emotions of anger or bitterness. I don't know what your chains may have been. Was your story the story of the prisoner? Did you see what happened to them? Verse 12, God subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. So caught up, unable to be free. Aware perhaps of the chains, knowing how they imprisoned you, but unable to break them. The lost are wandering, seeking. The prisoners are chained, unable to break free. The third story of the redeemed really is the biggest loser. Who, now, okay, who was the biggest loser? Let's go. Here we, yes, that's a bit more like it. I don't know what it is, right? It fascinates us, people trying to lose weight. Anyway, these people, they became fools. I mean, there's the, the, the little play on loser, right? They became fools. They loathed food. That's kind of where we ended up going there. Right? Verse 17, here's the story of the redeemed. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. So caught up in their evil ways, so caught up in our iniquities, even causing pain to ourselves, but unable to be freed. Loathing food, loathing spiritual food. Anytime God's word was held out, rejecting it, ignoring it, turning away from it. I don't know if you know people, ever met somebody that you think to yourself there is no possible way that you are ever going to be saved. Do you know someone like that? Every time the word of God comes to them, they just go, no, nah, don't want to hear about it. Don't want to talk about this God stuff. Stop putting it in my face. Go away. I wonder if that's not this, the lost. Maybe that was you. The fools, the biggest loser. Those who are so caught up in their iniquity that they loathe even the spiritual food of the word of God. Did you see their crisis? Verse 19, so verse 18. Such was their loathing. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. So we have lost. We have oranges, the new black. We have the biggest loser. The fourth story is a very different story. See, all of these are stories of hardship. This fourth story, well, it begins with people who are very wealthy. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm running with The Apprentice. Right, who's ever watched The Apprentice? I'm glad you haven't. Now, why is this show famous? Who used to be the host? Yeah, there it is, right? The President of the United States of America used to host reality TV. What a great world we live in. Anyway, that's Arnie, uh, which is even funnier because he was the governor of California. So, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in politics. Uh, the Apprentice, the fourth story of the redeemed is people who are successful, who are wealthy, who were in fact able to make it on their own. I've called it The Apprentice High Seas. Verse 23. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. And maybe this is you. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, my story actually isn't like all of these foolish, lost, broken prisoners. I was a very successful person. I made my own money. I brought my own way. By my own strength, I have endured. And yet notice even these 
They are still under God's hand and there is still a crisis that has been faced. Verse 24, they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. That's not a good thing for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits end. They thought they could do it. Maybe that was you. You thought, I'm cool. I can do all things by my own strength until the time when God brought the crisis into your life to say, no, you cannot. Your life is in my hands. I was at church at Petersham for a few years and uh, Petersham is a very strange place. It's this weird melting pot of extremely rich and homeless people and everything in between and they all come to church. I met a man who uh, was living in one of the boarding houses, plenty of boarding houses in, in, uh, in Petersham, one step up from homelessness, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's a small step, but that's where he was. And he told me his story. He said until very recently he had been a millionaire. Like dinky-die, actual, I have millions of dollars in the bank kind of millionaire. And then the global financial crisis hit. And overnight, he lost it all. One day he had his wealth. The next it was sunk. And such is the crisis in his life as these Faced, they reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. This man was unable even just to function in normal life anymore because of what had happened to him. Now, that's an extreme case. Few of us are going to have the privilege of losing a few million dollars. Right? That's, that's not our. And yet all of us, whether we identify with the downtrodden, the lost, the prisoner, or we thought ourselves to be successful. All of us have come face to face with the moment that we needed to decide, I'm going to rely upon God. I must. I cannot save myself. I cannot save others. See, all of these four stories, they all started with a crisis, but all of them did the same thing, which I take it as the same thing you have done. Right? Verse 6. Then the lost cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 13, the prisoners cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. The fool, verse 19, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. Even the arrogantly wealthy, verse 28, you know what's coming, right? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. Is that your story? You know that the Lord your God is good. You know that you have called out to him and he has brought you salvation. Now, if you don't, let's talk about it. I don't know what's going on in your life that you've never had to call upon the Lord. But I take it that you have, that you know that the Lord is good. The Lord delivers each of these four. The Lord delivers his people. Listen to how he redeemed the lost. Verse 7. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. The Lord took these lost people who were wandering, yearning for fulfillment, brought them straight home and fed them. 
He brought you home from the farthest corners of the earth and feeds and satisfies with good things. The prisoners, verse 14, the Lord brought them out of darkness, brought them out of the deepest gloom. He broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down gates of bronze and he cuts through bars of iron. Were you the prisoner? Chained up with your addictions, well know that the Lord, like he did for these, breaks these chains. He releases from darkness. He brings his people out. Gates, bars, they can't hold him back. Notice the fool. What did he do to save the fool? Verse 20. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Even that person who you think could not possibly be saved, the word of God coming into their life will feed and nourish and transform. And maybe that's your story. So far from God until his word brought you home. Even the arrogant wealthy ones were saved by the Lord. Verse 29, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven. So let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Is this your story? Now, I don't know that you're necessarily going to have all of those elements. Maybe it's a little bit here or there. Maybe it's part of you know, some point in time. But do you know, as they did, the deliverance of God such that you need to give thanks to the Lord for his wonderful deeds. You know, I think there's a fifth story. There's a fifth story not in this particular chapter. It's a story, I think, a lot like mine, actually. See, I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up, look, I I can't necessarily say any of these really resonate with me. I know they do with some people. And praise the Lord for those that he redeems out of these sort of situations. But what about someone like me? All my life I've kind of, I mean it's mostly been okay. There have been a few little crises but I've always trusted, I've always known he's there. I'll tell you the danger for us, if you're anything like me, the danger for us is that it's really hard to be thankful. Do you remember the mine collapse in Chile a few years ago? It was on the news, it was all big. And as they rescued people and pulled them out, you should have seen the gratitude on their faces. They were so, so, so thankful because of what they'd been rescued from. They knew the pit that they'd been in, literally, that they'd been pulled out from. But if you're just kind of wandering along in the Christian life, you haven't needed to be pulled out of a pit in that way. It's hard to be thankful, and yet perhaps we should be the most thankful of all. I'll leave that for you to ponder. Let the redeemed of the Lord give thanks, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Joe and I were at a conference 
Uh, it must have been a month ago or so now. There was an American guy speaking. He was a great, great speaker. I really enjoyed it. And he told us about his church back in Chicago the last five or six years. It's changed the demographic. Half of them are now African-American. And he said it's really changed the culture of the church. He said if he gets up to preach now and he hasn't mentioned Jesus within about 10 minutes or so, he starts to get heckled. So someone, someone somewhere out there will start to yell, Get him up! Get him up! And he's talking about Jesus, right? Start talking about Jesus already. I'm kind of feeling a little bit like this in this sermon. I was hoping that someone would... Anyway, now you know for next time, you've got my permission. Especially if it's Joe preaching. I really want... 10 minutes or so, if he hasn't gotten to Jesus yet, I want someone up the back there. Get him up! We'll see what happens. How can we talk about the steadfast love of God towards his people without talking about Jesus? This is the thing that's going to grip your heart. This is even for people like me who perhaps don't recognize the pits and having been saved. We need to know this. What I want you to do this week is meditate on this one verse. You already know it. I don't have to teach it to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is what you need to know this week because that love is what will bring forth thankfulness. That love is God exerting his power for us. That he would take you and me out of death, that he would put our death upon his son Jesus and that he would give us the eternal life that belongs to our son. You hold on to that. Do you believe that eternal life? Is that truly what you know God has given you? Right, shoot me and I'll show you. It's that kind of, I'm not afraid of death. God loves me and I know it in his son. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said three words. It is finished. Everything necessary. Everything needed for my sin to be dealt with, for my death to be taken away, finished. The love of God poured out in Jesus. It is decidedly Christian to be thankful. I want you to reflect upon your own life, who you are, where you've come from, I want you to reflect upon the God who loves you so much to give his son for you. That it might turn your heart to thankfulness. Maybe you need to start a little thankfulness diary. I started one a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago now. I'm doing really badly at it. I'm supposed to write down three things every day that I'm thankful for. I think I've got two entries so far, but they say that you can change your brain. That after three weeks of writing down something you are thankful for, you write three things down every day, your brain structure changes. You begin to see your outlook becomes more positive. You begin to automatically be thankful for the things that happen in your life. If you know yourself not to be a thankful person, then perhaps you can join me. Start your own journal. For one year, you're not allowed to write the same two things. Every day, you've got to write something different. Three things, write them down. And the thing is, right, it means that the first week, you write all the big things. Thanks for my family, thanks for my home, thanks for the heating when it's cold. But now you thank God for those. You can't thank him for those again. Then you've got to start looking for the little things. Thank you for the person who said hi to me and smiled. Thank you, God, 
for this little bit of your word that I read. Oh, I've done that one. Can't do that one again tomorrow, eh? Let's be people of thankfulness. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so loving and kind and generous. You are merciful to us who really don't deserve it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the death he died in our place, that the life that is his we might have. Thank you that you've redeemed us out of hell and you keep redeeming us now. You keep saving us over and over again, even when we don't deserve it, especially when we don't deserve it. Thank you. Father, thank you that your love endures, that it is steadfast and unmovable, that we know you are for us and you will continue to be so. And so please would you change our hearts so that we are so thankful. Amen.